there, and welcome to the Simply Living for Him podcast. I'm Karen DeBuse from Simply Living for Him. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Simply Living for Him podcast. On the Simply Living for Him podcast, I talk about all things simple. Sometimes that includes um, our little hobby farm life. Sometimes that includes just our faith overall. And sometimes that includes our homeschooling life. And today we are going to tackle a homeschooling topic. And I wanted to talk about homeschooling multiple ages and how we have done that over the years and how it really isn't that complicated. Because so many people ask me, you know, how do you homeschool all the different grade levels? Isn't that really hard? So we're going to talk about some of the techniques and the things that I have done over the years to incorporate four different grade levels into our homeschool day and how we have kind of simplified to make it a little bit easier and what works for us. So I would love to hear from you out there. If you are homeschooling multiple ages and you listen to this podcast, I'd love to hear your comments about how your family does it because my way is definitely not the way to do it. (laughs) It's just the way that we do it. And hopefully you can glean some um, helpful information. Um, And if you have a a way that works for you, I'd love to hear it as well. I'm podcasting today from my office. It's a beautiful spring morning here at Love's Farm. I'm so excited that spring is really springing. It's a gorgeous warm morning, warm enough to sit out on the front porch early in the day so I'm really excited about that and um, this is just the best time of the year coming up in the next month of May I will be having a series on the blog and we'll do some podcast episodes and lots of videos are coming Um, and we're going to be challenging you to set no words before your eyes in the morning before God's word and I'm really excited about this series coming up so um, if you are listening today um, and it's in May you'll want to tune in and see what I'm doing over there on the blog encouraging all women out there to not look at any other words in the morning before you have seen God's word before you have read God's word and you've um, spent time with him before anything else. So you can look for that. But anyway, I was reminded when I was telling you about my beautiful view on the front porch this morning, because it was just a perfect morning to sit out there in the quiet and the stillness and enjoy the Lord. So today I am going to tackle a homeschooling topic and how we have homeschooled multiple ages over the years. So we started homeschooling now. Let's see. We are starting our no, our 12th year next year. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, of homeschooling. It just sounds crazy cuz I know it's cliché, but it's gone by in the blink of an eye. So we started homeschooling when my oldest was just entering kindergarten. So I didn't always have multiple ages because the first year was just her, was just the one kindergartner. Um, but over the years, you know, we've added to our classroom each year it seemed like in the beginning and we We have four children who are right now, um, let's see, the grade levels, I'll say, are 10th grade, 8th grade, 6th grade, and 2nd grade. So we have started, you know, homeschooling way back in the beginning. We've always homeschooled, so we don't really know anything different. This is all my kids know, and we love it. We wouldn't have it any other way. But um, it's, you know, taken us several years in the beginning to get into our groove, to figure out what worked, what, what our goals were for our family, where God was leading us with our family. So 
Early on in the homeschooling years, it looked a lot different to homeschool multiple ages than it does now. So I will go back in time and start with the early years. So if you're out there listening and you have multiple ages that you're homeschooling of young children, then this will be helpful in the beginning because I'm going to talk about how we homeschooled younger children and then how we have sort of transitioned now to homeschooling multiple ages that are, you know, high school and middle school. And I really only have one elementary schooler left, which is crazy. That boggles my mind. Next year, I'll have two two high schoolers, one middle schooler, and a third grader. So, all right, let's go back to the beginning. So let's see. Um, In the beginning when my children were young, so the first three are all two years apart. So figure we're always two grades apart. Um, And then the other one, he's three and a half years younger. So then he goes a little bit uh, further behind than them. So he wasn't involved in the beginning. So in the beginning, it was usually these uh, the three older ones that were grouped together. So when they were younger... What we started out doing did not work. <laughs> Let me explain. So when I did have three children that were of you know homeschooling age, so let's figure a kindergartner, second grader, and fourth grader, something like that, um, we what I would do, I would kind of say, okay, we would make a schedule. And if anybody has listened to me over the years or followed my blog, you know that we have tried every type of schedule out there. I have a YouTube video about finding the perfect schedule. You can look that up. Um, but we had tried all kinds of schedules. And at one time in the beginning, we were doing those work boxes. And that was a really kind of good system for us where you kind of put the assignments in each box. But unfortunately, four kids, 12 work boxes each, they kind of took over my life. So <laughs> we don't do those anymore, but they, they do work well. Um, but in the beginning, I would... Um, What didn't work for us was I would say, okay, you know, we're going to do math time at 10 o'clock and we'd gather around the kitchen table or the dining room table and everybody would bring their math book and they were all at different levels. And I don't know what I was thinking, but I thought I could sort of teach math at the same time, you know, so say I would do the lesson with one of them if it was new and then the others were sort of working on some worksheets and one would need help and the other one would need help and it it was very stressful i don't i don't really know why i thought that would work i mean it didn't work for us it might work for some people but what i found was everybody was always kind of trying to get my attention at the same time and i was becoming frustrated because i couldn't do math with three kids at the same time <coughs> excuse me so um you know over the years we sort of evolved into this system of everybody got mommy for a certain amount of time. Now, I I think this would be my number one if you have especially younger children that are different grade levels and you're trying to homeschool. This would be my number one piece of advice. So what we did was mommy broke her time into sections for each child, beginning with the earliest. So say I had three at that time or even four homeschooling at the same time. We would group as many subjects as we could together, for instance, history, science, um, read alouds, and I'll talk about that in a few minutes. 
But before we did our together work or after we did our together work, it changed over the years. Sometimes we did our, what we called together work first and individual work later, individual work, meaning the things that they're really on different levels, like reading, uh, language arts, math, things like that. So whether we were doing our individual work time in the morning and our together work in the afternoon or whatever it was, when it came time to do individual work, we had a system in place that worked so well for us. So what I would do was I would work with the younger child first. So I, this was, I think, after the workbox stage because I can remember sort of having folders for everybody and um, or each child had like a bin with some folders in it of their work for the day. And what I would do was I would set up, say, each child was on a, whatever lesson in their language arts book and whatever lesson in their math book, and I would have that set up for the day. So they could start, the older ones could start their lessons um, and their assignments without me. And they knew that each child got mommy for a certain amount of time. So I always started with the younger child first. They got mommy first while the other children started their work. And then the next oldest would get me next. And then the next oldest would get me. So it went like that. And the reason behind this is the younger child needed me the most. They couldn't read on their own. They needed to really be taught a lot of the work. They needed to be read all of the instructions, you know, they needed to be read to most of the time if they were much younger. So they needed me the most. Um, so they got me first because the other children were able to start lessons without me. So the older one got me last because they were able to do the most without me. So does that make sense? So say I would start with a kindergartner first, right? So we would go over our phonics and do some fun stuff. And while I was working with that child, which may be like a half an hour, 45 minutes, if it's like a kindergartner, maybe less. It just depends on the day. While I was working with that child, the other children had to be doing their lessons. And if they did need help, the rule was they had to wait their turn. So if one got me from say nine to 10 and the next got me from 10 to 11, they knew their time was coming from 10 to 11. So there was really no reason to interrupt me because I told you there were many times where we just sat at the table and everybody was interrupting me. So they knew that they were getting me in the next hour. So they weren't tempted to come in and say, Mom, I need you. Mom, I need help. And that was such a lifesaver for me. So even if they did come in the room, because sometimes in the early days of doing this system, it, um, you know, it took a little training. <laughs> they would be tempted to come in and say, I need help. I would just say, it's not your turn. You must wait until it's your turn. Now, if I was still working with the younger child and they ran out of things to do because they could, you know, they needed me to help them with the rest of it or they finished everything, then they were able to really do whatever they wanted while they waited for me. They could go play. Sometimes I would put some extra fun like coloring pages in their little bin so they had something to do while they waited for me. Um, and then when I moved on to the next child, I would go over all the work that they had done without me to check on it, to see if they had questions, to see how they were doing. And then I could start any new things that I really needed to teach them so that the next day they'd be able to do the assignments. Do you see what I mean? So that worked really well. And we did that for many years. And, um, 
that would I would say was really helpful when I was homeschooling multiple ages that were kind of all younger at one time. And it was also a really good training ground for the older children as they continue to get older to transition into being much more independent and being able to do their own work. Now, I can say this because I have a high schooler and a uh, eighth grader, almost high schooler now to be, and I've watched the transition over the years take place of them going from relying on me, you know, a lot when they were younger and needing mommy to really being able to own their work now in high school and they do everything independently. And it's been a really beautiful thing to watch because you know, when they're younger, you think you're going to mess them up. They're never going (laughs) to, they're never going to be able to do this and to kind of watch how they've transitioned from, um, being homeschooled by mommy to really taking charge of their work and really taking ownership of it and, you know, definitely coming to me as needed or we'll have discussions over different things that they're studying, but the whole dynamic has changed. They are truly pursuing their education and it's been a beautiful thing to watch. And another thing that's been beautiful to watch is, like I said, taking the ownership of their work. If you had told me several years ago that my daughter would really care, (laughs) that she got through her schoolwork or, you know, wasn't doing it just to get it done and really wanted to do it. I've seen the maturity that comes through this process and she has really taken ownership to the, you know, to the fact of making sure she gets what she needs to get done on time and, um, really being motivated and taking pride in her work and doing it well, which to me is one of the biggest things that I want for my children. You know, if their grades aren't, you know, they're not getting great scores on a test or they're, they're, you know, if, as long as they're doing it well and they're doing it to the best of their ability, I can't fault them for that. You know, my daughter will get upset if she gets a science grade that isn't good because chemistry is hard, I'm telling you. (laughs) And I just keep constantly telling her, have you done your best and you're doing it well? What more can I ask of you? So I've seen that... um, This has really worked well, this process that we've done of sort of letting the older ones have a little bit of independent time, you know, early on and just increasing that independent time as they get older. You know, a lot of us look at little ones and we say, well, they should be doing, you know, uh, more, they should be more responsible or they should be taking control of their work or they should be working more independent. But I would tell you that it truly is a process and things come with maturity and we shouldn't try to make a second grader into an eighth grader. Um, as far as, you know, taking ownership of their work or um, learning independently, let them be at the stage that they're in. And I promise you that these things do come if we don't rush them. So it's been a beautiful process to watch how my children have taken control of their work. And now in the older years, homeschooling multiple ages is really, really pretty easy for me because they are so much more independent. Now, I will... Um, say that there are certain things that are not easy for us in high school. Number one being algebra, number two being chemistry. (laughs) So yes, those things are difficult. But as far as uh, homeschooling multiple ages, now that my children are in 10th grade, 8th grade, 6th grade, and 3rd grade, our schedule looks so much different than it did when they were in kindergarten, 2nd, 4th, and 6th, or whatever it was. So, um, So 
in the older years, as we transitioned out of um, the way we used to do it, where we kind of did individual work with the youngest, and then I worked with the next one and the next one. Um, and you know what? Actually, that was really helpful for me as the mom and as the teacher, because I wasn't trying to spread myself too thin. I also knew for myself, I have this amount of time to work with this child and the next amount of time to work with the next one. And that really helped, you know, like I said, for them and for me. Oh, and before we go on to um, older ages, I did want to address another way to make it really simple to homeschool multiple age children is to group as many children as you can into a subject. And that would be for us in the early years, history and science and, um, you know, reading aloud literature. I found that when they were, when I had multiple ages, say ranging from kindergarten to sixth grade or something like that, I found that even when I read books that were a little bit, you know, um, on a more sixth grade level, the little ones still would listen in and they would, they may not get it all or they may not comprehend it all or whatever, but they would listen in. And I also found that when I read the really young level books out loud, the sixth grader loved to sit and listen to them too. I mean, you know, they never outgrow those stories. So I would choose a really great variety of stories that were kind of for all the ages and everybody really did get something out of every story and every book that we would do. And I'm, I'm a big proponent of read alouds, you know, just reading aloud really good literature to your children, not only for educational purposes, for relationship purposes. What better way to learn than all snuggled up on the couch together or on a picnic blanket outside on a beautiful spring day like today? You know, I think reading aloud um, is just an amazing thing to do in your homeschool for all ages. And like I said, you can choose books for all the different ages. One week you can do one that's a little bit, you know, more difficult. One week you can do one that's kind of on the younger level and they will get something out of it. Or sometimes what we would do was I would read, you know, a little bit more mature book and then have like three or four little picture books after that. And believe it or not, the sixth grader stuck around for those as well. She didn't mind. <laughs> so picking all different levels, I think is great. You know, reading aloud time is not the time where you have to sit down and like break down the the um, plot and try to figure out all, you know, analyzing the literature, just doing it for the exposure of really good books, of hearing language used well in the books. Um, and just like I said, for relationship purposes, you can't beat it. So we would always read books aloud together. We would do science together. In our early years, we always used Apologia science books, those exploring creation books. We use that series, which they work really well for multiple ages because of the just the way it's set up. You can get a junior notebook that goes with them, and then you can get a regular notebook that goes with them. So that was what I loved about it because before I even used the notebooks for my children, um, I would always sort of, like if I were, we were doing science, I would sort of give each one, you know, if they were older children, maybe some assignments that were a little bit more in depth and for the younger children, like a craft to go with it. So you could easily do science and sort of tailor it for each level, but you could do the meat of the science all together. And we also did that for history. Now, now that my children are in high school, I look back on early elementary history and I feel that sometimes we went a little overboard, you know, like we learned a ton of history, but I also realized that it didn't have to be so scheduled or it didn't have to be so, um, 
I don't know what the word is, formal, but you know, we could just read books from a historical, uh, read historical fiction books. We could really just study a time period. And, um, like I said, again, you could do crafts for little ones. You could make a timeline. The whole family could get involved in making a timeline as you're studying a certain period. Um, you could make writing assignments based on the history for the older ones. And there are a lot of curriculum out there that are geared for multiple ages for history. So as many subjects as you can put together for all your multiple ages works really well. So that would include history, reading aloud, um, art, all those extra things like that, music, if you do composer studies, hymn studies, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then of course, science as well. So grouping as many as you can. So in the early years, we would do usually um, Bible always first in the morning together. And then we would kind of break up into our individual time. And there was those blocks of time where it would be like this half hour is for this child, the next half hour is for the next child, or however much time you would allow. Then we would break for lunch. We'd always take a nice long break for lunch so that the kids knew that they could go out and play. They could kind of do their own thing at that time. And mommy, knew, for me, that is when I could throw in the laundry. That is when I could answer my emails. That is when I could get some work done on the blog so that I wasn't trying to spread myself thin during the morning hours. So that really worked well for us for many years. And then as my kids started to get older and transition into the middle school years, that is when the seventh and eighth grade years were when I really started to step away from my daughter's um, homeschooling and she really started to take a little bit more control over her work. That's when she started doing science on her own, although she sort of, well, I wouldn't say sort of, she really did miss doing science with her brothers. She was really upset when, <laughs> when she had to start doing kind of more middle school science on her own. So um, she did. She enjoyed the little years and liked doing it with her brothers. But we sort of moved on to more formal science with her then that she would do on her own. Again, we still use the Apology in Middle School series for her. And um, then she still would do history, just like my son's now the eighth grader. He still does history with us, and we still read aloud books together with the younger ones. But then in high school, everything really became their own. They were doing their own history, their own read-alouds, and uh, or their own literature, you know, things like that, their own assignments. And at that point, their education really became something that they owned. And it really became, um, I could see, you know, that they mature into their um, taking control of their their work and um, sticking with the assignments or the schedule that the curriculum has set forth for them. So we have seen the transition and it's gone really well. So now I will next year have two high schoolers. So they will be really on their own. Now, when I say on their own, I mean, they really are, but they come to me when they need help. Like my daughter, we struggle together <laughs> in chemistry and algebra. So we do work on that together when she needs help. Um, we will definitely sit down and go over things. I also have tried, now that we're towards the end of the year, I will admit fully being real here that we have not been doing this, but we tried in the beginning of the year to really stick with like a little Friday meeting where Friday she would come and sit with me in the afternoon and um, go over any work that she did for the week um, and just see how things were going, just kind of touch base. So I want to kind of implement that again next year, especially for her and I, and especially because it's sort of just like a nice time to connect with your child. So um, 
So high school years become much more independent. So like I said, it almost becomes easier to homeschool multiple ages. So next year I'll have the ninth grader and an 11th grader, and they will have all of their assignments. What we do is a uh, curriculum that uses a weekly um, schedule. So it's broken down into the days, but we don't follow that. My daughter gets the schedule for the week and she's just to get it done that week. She can break up how she wants to do it. I don't care how she does it each day as long as it gets done. And she's become really responsible at making sure it gets done by Friday. She'll get ahead if she knows that we have a busy week so that she can still be you know, completed by Friday. And I'm really proud of her for doing that because, um, like I said, a lot of these things just come with maturity. So we can't expect the third grader to act like that. <laughs> but it does come later on. Um, so next year, the ninth grader as well, he will probably do, you know, all of his reading and all of that stuff together. Uh, I mean, not together, on his own. And every once in a while, I tell them, if you want to sit in and listen to the read aloud books, you know, please feel free and come and do that. But they they will have their own schedules for the week. So a lot of the burden will go off of me. And, um, and then I'll have the eighth grade, no, I'm sorry, seventh grader. Um, and you know, my seventh, the one that's going to be in seventh grade next year, he is um, the more of a struggling learner. So, you know, I have to sort of be aware that he may not quite be as independent as ni- in ninth grade when he gets there as the others. So right now he requires a little bit more help from me and that's fine. That's the way God made him. So I am um, there to still guide him. So, but he will start doing his own science now for middle school next year. And um, he will start, you know, kind of transitioning towards the high school years, but I still do not expect that full responsibility of all his work. So um, he will be doing that, and then I will have the third grader, and so he will really be getting a lot of attention from me because I've been freed up from these older children. Um, But Anyway, I hope some of those tips are helpful. Like I said, if you're homeschooling multiple ages, my number one piece of advice would be to break up your time where each child gets you solely to themselves. Whether it's a half hour, an hour, 15 minutes, I don't know what would work best for your family, how many children you have, or your workload and you know what you need to get done in the amount of time. But if you could break it up into a certain amount of time for each child of their individual work, and then you could spend you know the other portion of the day doing things together. I think that is really helpful, especially for young ones. And then, like I said, as they get older, they get more independent and life becomes much easier. (laughs) Well, you do have those other, as people say, as they grow, the problems just grow or the problems change or whatever. And that's true. But, you know, I should do a podcast one of these days about teenagers because I love having teenagers. I know people say teenagers are hard. I look back at my teenage years and I would not have wanted to be my parent. So, you know, they come with their difficulties and challenges, but if we embrace that the beauty of them turning into their own little people and adults that they are, I just love it. I love having teenagers. Um, It's just an exciting time. So one of these days I'll do a podcast about that. But anyway, I hope this helps you to simplify a little bit in your homeschool to um, help you if you are homeschooling multiple ages or you're just out there wondering, how on earth do people do that? Um, because I've been asked that question many times. And it's just, it's funny when people say, how do you homeschool multiple ages? And I think, well, in a, in a school, there's like 20 kids. I only have four <laughs> and they're all mine. So I don't find it that difficult, but 
I think like anything, when they're all young at once, everything seemed really difficult and it was much harder to deal with. And as they grow, it does get a little bit um, easier in many ways. So I hope that is helpful for you. And if you are listening, let me know, how do you keep things simple in your homeschool? How do you homeschool multiple ages? What are your tips? Because I certainly don't have all the answers. I'd love to hear what kind of things that you guys are doing out there in your homeschool. Um, so follow along on the blog. And like I said before, in May, I am going to be doing a series on the blog. As you all know, I am passionate about getting women, especially in the word and getting people to, um, really focus on God. First thing in your day is transforming. You know, don't put off Bible study till later or, um, and it doesn't have to be like an in-depth Bible study in the morning, but my thing is making sure that you read God's word before you go on Facebook, before you answer your emails, before you answer a text, before you literally even start thinking about other things, setting your mind straight and focusing on his word above all other words, including your own thoughts, <laughs> um, is, is transforming. So I'm going to be talking about all of that in May and how it's transformed my life to seek him very first thing in the morning and to set my mind on things above first before the day starts and gets away from me and all that. And you always say, oh, I'll have time to read my Bible later and it never happens. So I'm really excited in May. I'm hoping to do a lot of live videos on the Facebook page for Simply Living for Him. And I'm hoping to um, get some really great posts up there to encourage you guys out there. You know, I sort of call it like a challenge, but believe me, you don't have to sign up for anything. You don't have to commit to me to anything. This is between you and God. And I'm really here just to encourage you and to share the transformation that has taken place in my life when I put his word first before any other words. So I'm excited about that. I also wanted to let you guys know if you are interested in the Simply Living for Him retreat this summer, our lodging for the retreat is practically full. So we still have registration tickets available. If you want to join us on the retreat, there are plenty of lodging um, uh, options available that are not on site where we're staying, but there's plenty of other options available. So you can definitely still join us on the retreat. If you are coming and you're planning on staying on site though, you will want to contact me because we have very, very, very limited lodges left, which is a good thing. That means a lot of people are going to join us on the retreat. I'm very excited. So we still have room for more. I'd love for you to join us on this retreat. It is all, it is for women, but not just homeschooling women, all women of all ages and stages of life are going to come together for a weekend this summer to seek Jesus above all. We're going to talk about um, living more simply, but we're mostly going to talk about living for Jesus. So I can't wait to see everybody this summer. Um, and let's see, I'm speaking at Teach Them Diligently in two weeks in Atlanta, Georgia. I would love to see you there. You can still register for that at teachthemdiligently.net. I would love to see you guys there. I love meeting people that follow my blog and I just love meeting with other homeschooling families. So my whole family, we're all trekking down to Atlanta. Um, May 11th to the 13th, we will be there. And I hope to see you guys over on the Facebook page. Um, 
We are doing a lot of work around here at our little hobby farm. So we'll be sharing a lot of snippets over on the Simple Living for Him page, but also my husband has a uh, Facebook page and he's starting a podcast for our little hobby farm. So you can find that on Facebook as well. That is Love's Farm and you can find that over there. And you can read all about our mission and what we're doing here with our hobby farm ministry. So I would love to see you guys out there on Facebook and on the blog. So come over and say hi. And until the next time, I wish you blessings and joy.